0: If you've struggled with stress, balance or burnout, and simply felt discouraged or even defeated, if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health or relationships, then this podcast is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host. Carissa.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, with me, I have the pleasure of speaking with Jonathan Robinson. He is amazing. He's like my hero with everything he's done. <laughs> I mean, all the spiritual people you've connected with. Wow. I am so happy that your publicist reached out to me. He is, first of all, a New York Times bestselling author and co-host of the popular podcast Awareness Explorers. And Jonathan has made a career out of getting to know the greatest spiritual leaders of our time from Oprah to Adashanti. He has interviewed over a hundred notable people to get their take on how to live a happy, peaceful, and meaningful life. And you know, it's so interesting. That is part of the reason why I started You Inspired. And now I have another podcast called You um, Zen Success. And um So anyway, I I find it interesting. I never set that intention to interview the amazing people that you did, but I really wanted to give insight to my audience about spiritual truths and wisdom. So it's uh, amazing. Okay. So he has shared what he learned on shows such as Oprah, The Tonight Show, and news programs on CNN and NBC. I mean, amazing publicity. Okay, so welcome, Jonathan.
2: Thank you, Chris. I'm looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I'm so lucky <clears throat> to have you with like so many people. You went from Oprah to Zen Success. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I have had a couple people on my show that have been on Oprah, but it's always super exciting because then I feel like, oh, I'm only like two degrees of separation. <laughs> So how did you get on Oprah?
2: Well, that's an interesting story. You know, one of the things I've tried to do is interview the most successful people in every field, but mostly in the spiritual field. Everybody from, you know, Deepak Chopra and late Mother Teresa to the Dalai Lama. And I think success leaves clues. So I interviewed a couple people who were on Oprah and I asked them how they got on. But what actually ended up happening is I I do believe in divine grace, that sometimes you, you know, if you have a good intention and you are open to learning, good things happen. So um, I had a book uh, actually did well called uh, Life's Big Questions, and um, I tried to promote it and wasn't getting anywhere. And, And a friend of mine said, you know, you should just give up on the book. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that's unusual advice, but she that said, yeah, you know just give
1: that was what? before you're a New York Times bestseller, right?
2: right, exactly okay. so um but she said, you know, if at some point you feel like you want to do something, like you know, write a letter to somebody or do something, do that. So I wrote a letter to c n n, and uh they love the idea of focusing on the questions in the book on Christmas. well, on Christmas. There's only religious programming and CNN. So instead of 2 million people watching, there were 40 million people watching. And one of them was Oprah. And so the interview went so well. It was an amazing interview um, where we asked, you know, like questions like, what's the most miraculous thing you've ever learned? Or what's the most miraculous thing you've ever seen? And it ended up being a wild thing where callers in were talking about angels and aliens. And I was talking about, you know, meeting the Dalai Lama and all this stuff. So it ended up being a lot of fun. And she devoted two shows to that book. And of course, it became a bestseller then.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, so do you remember what year this was?
2: This was 1994, I believe.
1: Ah, wow. That's incredible. I mean, that's pretty much the top of the food chain when you're trying to sell a book, correct? Yeah,
2: yeah. And then I was on her show for other books as well. And we even worked on a project together Um, and she was interested, you know, since I've interviewed pretty much every spiritual leader anybody's heard of, she wanted to know what, you know, how'd you do that and what did you learn from it? And so this this most recent book, uh, The Enlightenment Project, is really like the greatest hits of what those people told me, plus their greatest stories, like what it's like being around those people. And, and, you know, I wanted to do it for me. I'm selfish, but then other people were interested. So, uh, I thought I put it all in one book.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. And, and, um, when are you releasing or did this book already get released?
2: Came out two days ago. Two days. And, uh, yeah.
1: Congratulations. <laughs> oh my gosh everybody you have to support him you have to support Jonathan and buy his book okay so tell us a little bit about who you interviewed who you selected to be in this very special it feels like divine I mean it feels like just magical um, when I tune into the energy but um who did you interview for this book
2: Well, I didn't really interview anybody for the book. I interviewed 100 people that I wanted to meet. And then I share some of the most poignant stories of what I learned from such people. But also, I mostly learned... uh, The book is called The Enlightenment Project, because I think we're all on a path of trying to become more peaceful, loving, and enlightened. And it ends up when you talk to a lot of very enlightened people, they say very similar things as to what lessons they learned and what methods helped them. And interestingly, the methods that most trigger enlightenment or transformation of consciousness are not well known. Uh, the traditional methods like Vipassana meditation or TM or yoga almost never work. And methods that almost nobody knows are like incredibly effective, meaning a person can there's been people who've done a method for two hours and they transition to a state of permanent bliss that used to really piss me off because I've been working on this for like 40 years. You know, I was a very depressed kid. And Mm -hmm. so that initially got me motivated to find out what can lead to more peace and joy in me. And I think the methods have gone a lot better over time.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, because I always feel that meditation is such a a wonderful vehicle. And you named this book properly, The Enlightenment Project, because you're going to enlighten a lot of people with what you learned. So can you give us one of the gems from the book?
2: Sure. Uh, you know, during this interview, I hope to give various ones. Okay. One, one of the things, Carissa, that helped me um, hone in on what I needed to do was that I'm pretty lazy. So if methods take a long time, I tend not to use them. And ends up a lot of people are like that. So um, one method, which is uh, very simple, is enlightenment is like the experience of perceiving the world without any sense of ego without any sense of past or future so if you imagine that you were just born or like you're an alien that just came to earth and you've been given this body but you don't know what anything means you don't know if this feeling going through your body is good or bad you don't even have a label of good or bad it's just sensation sights sounds in this moment just like how a newborn is And in a way, enlightenment is kind of like that, where there's no sense of good or bad. There's just isness in this present moment without thought of the future, without any baggage from the past. And that ends up being an incredibly peaceful way of being. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about other methods, but that's kind of like the point of view of what enlightened people, how they experience the world.
1: Mm-hmm. And so how do they get to that state? Is it through deep breathing? Is it practice? Um, mm-hmm. is it removing um blocks and from the past?
2: Well, all of the above can work. What we found is that different things work for different people at different times. Um, you know, for Mother Teresa, she found that she felt bliss when she was serving people. So she did that, you know, the Dalai Lama meditates, but even doing something like meditation in the book, I think I talk about 10 different types of meditation and you got to find the one that works for you because the one that you were taught or are most popular tend to be the least effective. Interestingly enough, they now done studies as to what methods lead to the most peace And they can now say, oh, this tends to work for 2% of people. This tends to work for 80% of people. And that's really important information. So there's now a science of enlightenment. And a lot of people are having much better results than even 10 years ago.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's fascinating. Wow, I have so many questions. Um, I'm just going to have to read this book. And um, so during these hundred people that you've interviewed, were you ever in, in awe of them? I mean, like speechless, like, and and just like, okay, well you tell me, just tell me everything. I mean, did you ever have a loss of words <laughs> for these people?
2: Well, early on I did like um, most of them I've interviewed in person. And, you know, I have mm-hmm. a podcast called awareness explorers in which I interview a lot of them, but early on, Um, I wanted to interview Mother Teresa, but I didn't even have the money to go to India. So this is in like 1992, where I go to the library and find a phone number for the organization she created called Sisters of Charity. Well, in 1992, calling India, you know, a number in India was like calling the the International Space Station, you know, the chance of getting through were little. So I, I call and I... A Was woman
1: it
0: $97? <laughs>
2: yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> okay. So a woman answers the phone and I say, you know, I'm Jonathan Robinson. I'm trying to get in touch with Mother Teresa to interview her for a book. And the woman says, uh, yes, this is Ma. I said, <laughs> hi, Ma. I'm trying to interview Mother Teresa. And she says, yes, this is Ma. And I recognize her voice. Mother Teresa answered the phone. And I, I just started crying. I couldn't believe the miracle of that. And so I was was,
1: beautiful.
2: Yeah, I was at a loss of words there. Um, But she she gave me time for an interview. She said, gee, I never answer the phone, but God told me to answer the phone.
1: Wow, she's in tune. And you are too. It's like, you're following that divine guidance to call Mm -hmm. go to the library. And Look up that number. That's amazing. Um, I, I
2: can definitely be persistent if I feel like I'm on. Well, here's a, a story about Ramdas. So I was trying to, you know, who Ramdas is probably. Um, I was trying well, to just interview, for our
1: audience. Maybe you can explain, or you could look it up, audience. But
2: yeah, he he was an a American a Harvard psychologist who went to India, found a guru, and became a spiritual teacher. Um, I was really inspired by him, so I really wanted to interview him. So uh, I had no luck over a bunch of months. Finally, I get a call from him and he says, you know, I don't do these interviews anymore. I get like 40 requests a week. I said, "Okay, I understand. No problem. And then I then he says, but I've never seen anybody as persistent as you. You know, you've called 40 times. You've sent me 20 letters. The reason I'm calling is I want to know if. If you're on a mission from God or if you're a complete lunatic. And I said, well, <laughs> I'm on curious. a mission from God. He said, okay, I'll give you the interview.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. That is impressive that you were that persistent. And there was something in your heart that, that knew to never give up. I mean, it seems.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I did live with a spiritual teacher for a bunch of years and he taught us that, you know, if something's important to you really go for it. And I took that to heart and um, you know, I don't let uh, a little bit of the fear of rejection get in the way of a, a larger mission. And I think it's really important for me personally to tap into more peace and love, but it's important for everybody, especially in this day and age where the world's hurting so much that if you can give people simple ways to tap into deeper peace and love and consciousness, there's nothing more important than that.
1: Mm, Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So I wanted to explore a question. Do you feel out of all these interviews that you've Learn that it's possible to get out of depression or any type of like, you know, isolation, feeling, feelings of anxiety. Do you feel like it's possible to be free of those feelings?
2: Well, I can speak from personal experience. Um, when I was 12, my parents were going to put me in a mental hospital because I suffered from severe depression and suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts
1: and how did that manifest when you were a child? Well, when
2: you're 12, uh, you know, I didn't feel like a child. I just felt like, you know, the world was caving in and uh, I was uh, hit on a regular basis by my stepfather. I felt out of control, overwhelmed. And I think a lot of people feel that nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, depression is a real problem. So yeah. I turned to self-help books and uh By age 13, I was meditating every day.
1: Mm, That's amazing. So what made your parents not decide to send you there?
2: Well, because over time, they saw that I was making efforts.
0: Oh, I see.
2: Reading the books and meditating and such. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, even when you feel really depressed, just the fact that you feel like you're making progress feels really good. Mm hmm. So I could tell I was making progress. And then I decided, well, you know, maybe there's really good methods and ideas for entering your full potential. So I kind of became interested in that subject. I, I became a psychotherapist. And then it became like a hobby, like, you know, there's something out there that someone knows that would really make a difference in my life. And I want to find out what that is. And And you never know what it is. You know, I I talked to uh, one person who said a a, a simple statement to me that still reverberates in my head. He wasn't very known. He was a spiritual teacher. But he said, here's a mantra you can use. Um, Right now is the most important moment of your entire life. Because it's the moment you're in. The past doesn't matter. That's just a memory. The future, you'll never be in the future because when you're in the there, it'll be now. So just relate to this moment like it is the single most important moment of your entire life and that the universe is trying to get a message through to you now. There's something to learn now. There's something to get now. And if you approach life with that in urgency and sense of presence, your life will transform. So, you know, this was a guy who'd written a book that sold 11 copies, but that reverberates with me. Um, And every now and then I've met gurus that would give me a technique that uh, I'll tell the story of of a guru gave me a technique that takes five seconds that transformed my life. And I use this technique maybe 10 times a day.
1: Wow, that's impressive.
2: Well, it's only takes five seconds to do it. So that's less than a minute of effort.
1: Yeah. Before we get into that, I Uh want to mention, I don't want to gloss over what, um, the lesson and, and the message that this person gave to you about being here, um, right now. And it's interesting. I was feeling that (laughs) I have sometimes my spiritual downloads are music and Van Halen wrote a song right now. And I hear that in my head a lot. And it's so funny. And I did, I had to do a social media post on it because I was just like, okay, I got to get this out. And it's exactly that. And it felt so powerful. Like I really felt it in my heart that it could help a lot of people. And so maybe it did.
2: Yeah. 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 Well, we need all the help we can get now. Good ideas, good songs, good movies, good methods, good Mm -hmm. books.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's get into that technique that you do 10 times a day. It's wow.
2: Well, realize then 10 times a day, it's still under a minute a day of effort because it only takes five seconds. But it's an interesting story. You know, when I ask people, uh, spiritual teachers, you know, what advice they have, a surprising number of them said you want to be aware of the importance of gratitude. uh, That gratitude is a doorway to the divine. I hadn't looked at it that way. So this kind of got me um, aware to be aware of methods of tapping into gratitude. So a friend of mine came back from India and he looked like he was transformed. I said, what went on? He said, my guru gave me this magical mantra for feeling gratitude All the time. I said, really, that's amazing. He said, yeah, it really works. I said, well, tell me what the mantra is. And he said, no, you have to get it directly from the guru. Now, have you been to India, Carissa?
1: Yes, I have. But I, I did not go on a spiritual journey there. I didn't go to an ashram or anything, but I, I really resonate with India. I think in a past life, I was probably there. Yeah. And I went for my friend's wedding and we toured around and I actually saw a client. So it was a business write off. So it was a very different trip. So I think I'd have to take a, another trip for a spiritual journey.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a hard place to travel too. It's, you know, 18,000 miles away. And then when I got there, I had to take a rickshaw for four hours to get the oh. ashram. <laughs> and then I had to wait in line for three hours to talk to the guru. So I'm kind of like jet lagged and worn out. Finally oh my get a God, chance. you
1: went right there. You didn't yeah. even like go to the hotel. Wow, yeah. you are driven.
2: <laughs> so I, I finally get a chance to talk to him. You know, he's in a white flowing robe and in his I tell him I want this mantra, and he says in his Indian accent, ah, yes, my mantra is the most powerful mantra on earth. He leans in to whisper it in my ear, and he says, whenever possible, repeat these words. The mantra I give you are the words, thank you. Well, I look at him like, you got to be kidding me. I say, that's it? I traveled 18,000 miles again. Thank you, that's it? So he looks at me and he says, no, that's it is the mantra you have been using. That makes you feel like you never have enough. My mantra is thank you, not that's it. That's it will take you nowhere. Well, I'm totally pissed off at this point. So I look at him, I go, well, thanks for nothing. And he looks at me and he says, thanks for nothing is not the mantra. You must feel your heart for just a couple of seconds, and then sincerely say thank you to the universe for this blessing. And soon you'll be filled with gratitude. Well, I'm still pissed off and disappointed, but I figured i traveled all that way. I would do what he said. So I, I go into a taxi. It's like 110 degrees in India, but the taxi had air conditioning. So I go, oh, thank you. Thank you for this air conditioning. And then I get to my hotel. I check in, and there's a bottle of water there, clean water. I go, thank you for this water. And then I um, open up my laptop. There's Wi-Fi. I go, thank you for my laptop. What an amazing machine. I Skype my wife. I'd say, thank you for Skype. I see my wife. Thank you for my wife. I'm thinking I'm talking to my wife on the other side of the planet instantly for free. And it hits me how how lucky we are that we have all this stuff. And tears start rolling down my face. My wife looks at me wow. and she says, that must've been some mantra. And I said, you have no idea.
1: So, so you did not say thank you to her out loud. So she didn't know no. your mantra yet. You were right. only saying it in your heart.
2: Right. Right. And you say it to God or the universe or whatever works for you. Um, but you just feel the center of your chest and in deep gratitude, like you might to a friend who did something for you, say, thank you. Cause you, you know, people are listening to this podcast for free. We're giving great information for free. You know, uh, people go to the refrigerator and they get great stuff that's cold, that's kept, you know, fresh. I mean, the blessings are amazing, but you have to have a method to tap into that richness.
1: Mm. And and then does it get you in a vibration, to be receiving more more to be grateful for more to say thank you to like does it kind of shift your frequency into that space
2: well everything has a momentum to it so if you've had a bad day and everything looks like you know people are out to get you and people are no good that has a, vi- a, a vibration and a motivation that tends to make things worse And the same thing with higher vibrations that, you know, the days where you smile, people are smile back. If you tap into gratitude and you get that um, uh, momentum going soon, it kind of is like a flywheel. It takes effect on its own. So the first 10 times of saying thank you can be a little bit challenging. The next 10 come really easy. And the next 10 are automatic. You know, you just tap into this world where, everything's a gift and these simple ways to tap into higher consciousness, I think are the best ways for us to transform the world because you can't transform the world. If you feel like crap.
1: Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to your journey as a child. So at 13, Did you feel like you had abilities like um, are you an empathetic person? Do you feel deeply? Do you feel others feelings or did you ever tune into your own spiritual abilities? Well, I wouldn't say
2: I was particularly empathetic. You know, I've I've tried to become more empathetic. I'd say that everybody has some gift, some talent. Mm -hmm. Mine was probably that I was pretty smart. You know, and mm-hmm. so I use that ability to read self-help books and 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 ask what's working, what's not. You know, somebody else might use the talent of their athletic ability or the fact that they are very empathetic. You mm-hmm. know, um, uh, a story about Oprah, which is interesting. The first time I was on her show, you know, she came up during the commercial break and said, um, hey, I really loved your, your book and your story about your dogs. How's your dog doing? And I said, well, he's not doing so well. He started to have seizures. And Oprah said, oh, um, you know, what's his name? And I said, his name's Rama. And uh, she said, oh, I'll be sure to pray for him. Well, that was a, our entire conversation off camera. Well, two years later, I'm on her show again, and she comes up to me, and she says, good to see you again, Jonathan. By the way, how's Rama? Well, I didn't put together that the most loved person on earth would remember a 10 second conversation from two years ago about my dog. So I said, who's Rama? And she she said, Rama's your dog. He was having seizures and I prayed for him. How's he doing? And I was like, my reality just melted. I said, how, how did you do that? And she said, well, When I was 15, I just had a stillborn child after being raped for a second time. I was in the, quote, retarded people's class at school. I was being physically abused. And I asked myself, what do I have going for me? And she said, the only thing I have going for me is that I like people and I can be kind. So I used that gift because that was the only thing I could do. And it seems like every day as I've used that gift, things went well. And, you know, I'm very happy that I had that one gift that seems like it worked out pretty good. So, you know, everybody has some gift. And if we really use it, I think our life mission becomes clearer, and we can affect more people.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And then did you still as a child, did you still live with your stepdad and mom?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: and and did the abuse still go on? Was he was he still hitting you?
2: Well, as I got older, I got bigger. So he stopped.
1: He stopped as you got bigger. Yeah. But also maybe you had developed some inner strength inside of you that he felt. That um, could be. Yeah. Mm. But was your father in your life at all?
2: Um, I'd see him about once a month. And my parents got divorced when uh, I was young. And my father tried to get in custody. But back then custody always really went with the mom. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, I remember that. So, so that's good that you had an ongoing relationship and, and yeah. he was supportive. Your dad was supported about your su- spiritual journey.
2: Yeah, that w- also helped, you know, because uh, you kind of need support, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, a lot of people are going through a hard time. So I tell them, you know, luckily, there's podcasts for support, there's friends, there's books, there's videos. Um, that you need to surround yourself with support because the vibration of the world is pretty low at this point.
1: Yeah, surround yourself with positive people, a higher vibration. I mean, that's what you are seeking too when you are seeking out these spiritual leaders. Okay, yeah. so how. Old were you? Tell me about this progression. How old were you when you really started to seek out Mother Teresa and all these leaders? Because I mean, you've been on this journey for a long time.
2: Yeah, I'm actually 147 years old. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, um,
1: oh, you age, you're ageless, actually. You're totally, I mean, you're just shining bright. And yeah.
2: Um, Well, you know, really, I started seek out inspiring people at age 13. Mm -hmm. Uh, My uncle was a hypnotist, and I was fascinated by hypnosis. I had a friend who was kind of fearless at school. Uh, So it doesn't you don't need to, to interview the Dalai Lama to be inspired. It could be just, you know, a person at the office. So I really started at that age. But I got into the the hobby of interviewing well-known spiritual teachers around age 22 23
1: oh still pretty young
2: yeah still pretty young
1: and and then you hadn't written a book at that time right
2: no my first book was I guess I was about 30
1: okay amazing and how many books have you written
2: 14 now Um, or how many books have come through me because they I write really uh, easily that was another gift And, um, and, you know, luckily I write well, I try to make my books really entertaining and there's a lot of funny stories in them. There's a lot of poignant stories that really affected me. And I think a good story can really impact people.
1: Oh yeah. Amazing. And what has been like your favorite person? Was it mother Teresa or Oprah?
2: Um, You know, it's, kind of like asking which is your favorite kid
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't tell the other ones Right, right, right right
2: right Um, you know, so many of them were really kind and humble that I really liked. And also, you know, yeah. these people have, have human faults as well, but it's yeah, hard I to- mean,
1: it's like surprising, like, like the whole story you shared about Oprah, it's mm-hmm. like, you don't think that, that somebody so famous would be so kind, have such an amazing memory about your dog.
2: Yeah. And I found that true about a lot of teachers, uh, Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer was very kind to me. But, you know, my time with the Dalai Lama does stand out uh, just because, you know, here was a guy whose friends and family were all tortured. And yet he, he emanates such love and joy. And um, being around him was, was a lot of fun. It, he, we laughed a lot. Uh, he has a great sense of humor. And I just really enjoyed him.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. What did you learn from the Dalai Lama?
2: Well, actually, um, I can, I have something I can show you that I learned. Uh, I asked him how to deal with, uh, conflict, you know, between people and he said, well, he has a, a, uh, ancient Tibetan talisman he can give me that will help end conflict between people. And I was very excited. Uh, (laughs) So he goes out of the room, he comes back and he tells me to close my eyes Um, and uh, then he tells me to open, he has this thing that will end conflict between people, he uh, has me open my eyes and when I open my eyes, the Dalai Lama is wearing a big red bozo nose. And he said, it's really almost impossible to argue or have conflict with somebody wearing a bozo nose. And then he laughed uproariously and we both laughed. And, uh, and it's true. You know, you can give this to couples who are arguing and they'll end the argument right away.
1: Oh, that's amazing. Now, do you have your own family now?
2: Well, um, my wife and I have two dogs who we kind of consider our kids.
1: Oh, beautiful. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's
1: great. What kind of dogs do you have?
2: They're um what's called mini golden retrievers.
1: Oh, I've never and, heard of those.
2: Yeah, no, they're great done. In fact, my previous book was called Conversations with Dog. And it's <laughs> about uh a, a talking dog that teaches his owner how to love again.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you can make that into a children's book someday.
2: That might be a good idea. Yeah. No, the book really touched a lot of people, it became a bestseller in England. And you know, I think our dogs are almost like an enlightened being. They're always in the present. Mm -hmm. They're very loving. Uh, They tell you exactly what they want. And um, I just, I I think they're here to help human beings open their hearts.
0: Mm,
1: That is so beautiful. I have a dog too. I always grew up with dogs. I did have a golden retriever Growing up, that was like my first dog, but not a mini. So I'll have to look that up. (laughs) See, I bet they're really cute because golden retrievers are just gorgeous. Um, So tell me about your podcast, Awareness Explorers. Did you get any of these famous people on your podcast? And when did you start it?
2: Um, Well, it started about four years ago. And yeah, we've interviewed a lot of famous teachers. I don't know who you know, Shanti, Byron Katie. Yeah, Uh, amazing. Rupert Spira, Deepak Chopra, you know, a lot of people. Um, I have a co-host and uh, we both realized we had the same mission. Get the greatest hits of spiritual ideas and methods onto a podcast. And now, of course, I've done that in the Enlightenment project book. Um, Because I think this information, a lot of people are ideas and methods from 2000 years old. Well, they were good 2000 years ago, but we live in a different world. Now we live in a world that's much faster paced, So we need more effective methods that work quicker. So when we interview these people, we always ask them for the best stuff. And in fact, we have a website, Awarenessexplorers.com, in which we ask all these, you know, teachers, give us your best 10 minute guided meditation. Yay. And that's so now amazing. we have like a hundred guided meditations from a hundred spiritual teachers that are all free on the website. And whenever possible, I like to, you know, give this stuff free or very low cost yeah, because, you know, the world needs it. And uh, if you do good things, I think good things come back to you.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I feel so in alignment with you because that is what I did on you inspired. We would have, um, well, not, Actually, all those spiritual people I had didn't always do meditation. So sometimes I would do a meditation at the end because I do meditation mm-hmm. and I'm a spiritual healer and I would love to be on your show. I'm pitching myself, but okay. also I want to connect you with some other spiritual leaders that have helped me on my journey. I don't know if you've heard of master Sha SHA, he's a medical doctor from China and he does soul healing, uh
0: huh. Uh,
1: So, so you could look him up, and then also Masajati, two separate have, words. Yeah, heard, heard of heard him. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, just a recommendation of amazing people. I have not had Masajati on my show, but I have done a healing certification with him and many healings from him and kind of, he put me on this path and master sha at one of his workshops. Um, he picked me out of a crowd and all of a sudden I'm like healing all these people in the Whoa. audience. So it was, yeah, he's really amazing. And he has a, um, a book out right now too. So yeah, I would love to support you. Anyone I've had on my show, you know, I can recommend them. I I don't just interview. I just interview interesting people. I'm not just but I I don't have a specific purpose to interview spiritual leaders uh, I am just excited when I can you know yeah yeah so so these people like the Dalai Lama so what was the the process did you get to his assistant to interview Well,
2: that's a little bit of a funny story as I'm talking to Mother Teresa on the (gasps) phone um, she I asked her I, I asked her how how do you meditate and Mother Teresa, I loved her answer because I was so humble. She said, "I'm not very good with meditation. The Dalai Lama knows a lot about that. Would you like his phone number?"
1: <laughs> oh, I said, your- oh, "Yeah, that would be very nice." That was your divine appointment. <laughs> yes, oh my exactly. God, that's amazing! So it's like this like you've set this intention in your heart and then the universe is just attracting these people to you and also giving you the guidance, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not to say that I haven't had to deal with a fair amount of difficulty or challenge. um, But I think God just said, "Well, this guy's not going to give up. Let's eventually, you know, give him the stuff, (laughs) you know,
1: Yeah. (laughs) So what are your spiritual practices now that you've learned from all these people? What do Mm -hmm. you like to do? Do you believe in God? Are you Christian? Are you spiritual? Like what is your path?
2: Well, I've spent a year in a Christian monastery, a year in a Buddhist monastery, a year in a Jewish monastery and a year in a Hindu monastery. So I'm pretty eclectic. Uh, I I I I do have a very clear belief system which is you should do what works, okay? And um, that's why in the Enlightenment Project book, uh, I, I give what I consider the, the methods that have been most effective for most people. And I say, you know, be experimental. Try a few of these and see what works. Uh, if you try something and you're bored to death and nothing happened, don't do it again. If you try something and your head explodes with peace, joy, and love, Maybe you should do that one again. So um, one of the methods I use now, uh, which I I enjoy and I do as meditation, is I made a list of everybody in my life who I've ever loved or liked, even if I had a falling out with them, like an old girlfriend or something. Uh, But you it ended up being about 50 people. And I think of that person, and I think of what I loved and appreciated about them. And I, I get to a place where I can feel open-hearted towards them for about a minute, and then I go on to the next person. Well, what that ends up doing is bathing yourself in a feeling of love for an hour, or however long I do it. And that's very powerful. You know, like people will change their life to feel love for two minutes, but to feel it for an hour and to like go deep into how much you feel love for people is a, a very healthy tonic and it is a very heart opening experience that if you can experience that bliss or that love every day, it really changes your day.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Do you have any advice for some of the podcasters out there or entrepreneurs on how to access celebrities and interview them?
2: Um, You, you know, I guess I do have a lot of experience with that. Uh, a combination of persistence and making it really easy for them. Um, So, you know, I will say whenever uh, we'll do it whenever possible, take half an hour, Uh, you'll reach these people. Um,
1: Yeah. What's the value they're going to get out of it?
2: Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it's actually been, I was so persistent that they realized it would take more time to avoid me than it was going to take to just do the frigging interview.
1: <laughs> so they throw their hands up and then they're yours. Yeah, oh. right, right. Okay. So do you feel like, okay, so you got on CNN. Do you feel like there was a ripple effect because Oprah saw you there? And then uh-huh. how did you get on the Today Show and other um, media outlets? Uh
2: uh-huh. um, You know, there is a ripple effect. There's kind of like climbing a ladder of credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, at first it would be interview a guy who had written a book that sold 11 copies and then, you know, somebody who had sold more copies and more. And, and so you do, you know, I had some, uh, articles written about me in the local paper and then in USA Today, and then, you know, the cover of Newsweek and it, 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 you know, it's a multi-year journey, but my goal was always to use my gift of trying to be very practically useful to people. Mm. Um, And, and people get your sincerity, if you're persistent, and you learn the game. Uh, So I'd say that was my journey. But also, you know, plenty of times I fail, and I just keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Did you write a letter to the Today Show about a potential topic? Did you kind of study the show and, and think about what their audience might like?
2: I I have done that with the Today Show ends up uh, one of the hosts had read one of my books and they said that it saved their marriage. So it's kind <gasps> of a a um, uh, they they contacted me. Uh, oh, wow. trust. Um, so what was that know, so,
1: book that saved her marriage?
2: Well, that was called Communication Miracles for Couples.
1: Oh, And it
2: ended up selling really well, it still sells well. And Jay Leno had me on the show because he said it saved his marriage. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I really, you know, a lot of books, whether they be spiritual or, or psychology, they just, they don't have like the easiest, most practical things. They're more like advice. Well, advice is nice, but we all know it's better to be loving than to always prove that how right you are. You know, we know that stuff. What we don't know is how to change things, you know, how to tap into love or empathy when you need it. And so that's why my mission has always been what are the most powerful, you know, we all have smartphones now. Why do we all have smartphones? Cause they're friggin' awesome. You know, they, they you can do so much with them. Uh, they're powerful. They're quick. You can talk to people on the other side of the planet. You can look at your cat. You, they're, they're so versatile. Well, there's also what I would call inner technology, mm-hmm. you know, things that really do work and your mission, should you decide to accept it, Carissa, is to find what works best for you.
1: Mm, yeah, beautiful. And it's so, it feels so freeing because a lot of times people, including myself, will be like, okay, these are the steps that you need to do. And like when I'm working with my clients, I'll do that. So it's just amazing that you have that attitude. Was that an iPhone 13 mini?
2: That was the iPhone 12, actually. Yeah, oh, 12. Okay, pretty amazing instrument.
1: Yeah, because I have a mini and I was like, oh, it looks like mine a little bit. Um, yeah. So that's great advice. OK, so what's next for you? What are you are you going on tour, a book tour or what's happening? Because you have a publisher, right? You've always had a publisher.
2: No, I self-published this book. I want oh, to be in control of it. And oh, you know, great. part of the reason I self-publish is that I can give away parts of the book for free.
1: Oh, um, great.
2: So uh, if people go to my website, theenlightenmentproject.net, they can get the first couple of chapters for free, plus uh, an audio of the five best and easiest ways to awaken to peace. And so that's all free at theenlightenmentproject.net. And, um, you know, I can give a lot of stuff for free that if you use the publisher, that tends to be harder.
1: I say because they want to control the rights yeah. but previously you had a publisher like for your first book or other books uh,
2: for, t- for 12 of my 14 books I had publishers.
1: Oh okay and that was in the beginning of your journey
2: Yeah um, you know but nowadays I tell people that you know it's probably better to self-publish than to find a publisher. really you know it's so easy and you get more money and you have more control.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And and sometimes they have hybrid agencies yeah. too yeah. that will help you a little bit. Um. So any other exciting projects? What's coming up for you?
2: Well, you know, I always leave it open for the universe to kind of give me input. Yay. It looks like I'll be talking about this book for the next year. Uh, I'm really proud of this book, and the reviews have been great. So I'm I'm really hoping it can affect a lot of people. Obviously, I'll be doing the podcast. Um, I do volunteer in jails teaching meditation to prisoners, and uh, really enjoy that. I, I wasn't able to do that in COVID, but that's starting up again. And you know, every day I I try to ask how can I be how can I serve better how can I uh, what's in the way of more peace, you know, some good questions that keep me on the path because there's a lot of distractions. Now I say, you know, we're all subject to, we're all, um, being impact and being impacted by WMDs widgets of mass distraction.
1: <laughs> that is for sure. That is for sure. I had to get off Facebook uh, myself for a little bit because Um, I, I just was getting into other people's lives and worlds and, and not focusing on my own or just like, you know, so I, yeah, that, that's so true. So uh, last question, what is Zen success to you?
2: Zen success. Well, think of it as like two wings of a plane on one wing. You want to be effective in the world. And you want to learn what leads to being effective in the world. Uh, And that's, that's, you know, marketing, finances, relationship skills. The other wing, though, is what I would call becoming more enlightened or becoming more in touch with the peace, joy, and love within you. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven's within you. Buddha said peace is within you. It's not outside of you. So we have to kind of balance those two wings because people who are really successful but lose the peace, that's like a plane with one wing attached. It's going to go around in a circle and then crash. Or people with just peace, I can't you know, remember their zip code. Well, they have peace at least, but they're not doing much good in the world. So uh, I think Zen success is kind of like balancing those two things in a way that helps you to really soar.
1: Oh, that's a beautiful definition. That's amazing. All right. Well, it's been such a pleasure connecting with you, Jonathan, and hearing about your journey from depressed to blessed and your amazing book, The Enlightenment Project. And I know you will continue serving so many people. And I love you're going to the prisons and connecting with them and meditating, teach them how to meditate. That's amazing. I love that. You're inspiring to me calling mother Teresa and her giving you Dalai Lama's phone number. It's like so amazing. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. And I will put how to buy your book and your podcast website in the show notes. Any last words for our audience?
2: Well, let me just share a, a, quick story that inspired me. I went to a guru in India. And when I got to his place, he told me to sit in front of him. And he said, Who are you? And I said, I'm Jonathan from the United States. And he just laughed. And he said, No, who are you really? And I said, Well, I'm an author. He he shook his head. No, I said, Well, I'm a a spiritual seeker. He shook his head. No, I said, Well, I'm a man. He shook his head. No. Finally, I ran out of roles that I play. So I just looked him in the eyes. And when I looked him in the eyes, he sent me this overwhelming amount of energy of love that, that was like a tsunami. And I started crying in his lap because I'd never felt such deep love and peace. And as I'm like crying in his lap, he pats me on the head and he said, this love that you feel, this peace that you feel now, that's who you really are. And your job in life is to never forget it. And I think that that's true, that we are here to find that peace and love and let go of the distractions and not forget what's really important. Mm,
1: Beautifully said. What an inspiring um, last message. Thank you so much, Jonathan.
2: Thank you, Carissa, for, for inviting me.
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode of zen success i want to invite you to an in-person event i'll be having a very special event for the lion's gate portal when it peaks on august 8th 2022 the event is on eventbrite for more information you can contact me Carissa Sims 333 at gmail.com you can also search on eventbrite lionscape portal activation in boulder colorado at the valley soul retreat center i will be giving away one free healing with each ticket so if you can't make it at least sign up and get a free healing thank you so much for listening Have a blessed day.